Good evening, everybody, and welcome to our Bible study. I want to say thank you to all of you for joining us this evening. I hope and pray something will be said or done to improve your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sorry I was gone for a few weeks. Thank God for our associate ministers, Pastor Cofield, for holding the fort. Thank you for your patience also for studying with that woman of God. So I'm just picking up where she left off. Today we're going to be studying the book of Esther. The book of Esther. For your information, there are 10 chapters in that book. And we want to study all 10 chapters today. I need you to be aware of some things about the book of Esther. So you won't be surprised. There's a lot of drinking in that book. <laughs> a lot of drinking. A lot of sex. And believe it or not also, murder. You say, Pastor, well, if that's all in that book, why are we studying it? Well, for one thing, it's in the Bible. For another thing, the book is full of revelations. Something to help you and me in our Christian journey. Believe me when I tell you. If you were just hanging with me today, you can learn a lot. The first thing I want you to know about that book, amazingly, God was not mentioned not one time throughout the whole book. Not a single mention about God. I'm sure you will ask again, so why are we studying the book? Again, I will tell you, there's a lot to learn. While God was not mentioned, you will see a lot of activities of Almighty God. There are three things you need to look for in that book. Number one is what I call elevation. You see how God can elevate you from nothing to something. Another thing that you would notice in that book is what I call deliverance. How God deliver people. And I don't know about you, I need all that. I need elevation in my life. Can I have an amen? <laughs> I need deliverance in my life. Another thing that you're going to see in that book is what I call divine reversers. You know, sometimes in life you find yourself on the wrong side, on the wrong side of the aisle. And God has a way of reversing things. God has a way of turning things around. I love this book. Do you need a turnaround in your life? This is a good book for you. Do you need elevation in your life? This is a good book for you. Do you need any area of your life that you need deliverance? I say yes and amen. This is a good book for you. That's what we're going to be learning in the book of Esther. Deliverance, elevation, and reversal of every curse in our life.
Let me mention to you all the major actors in that book so you can grab hold. I love the teacher in me wants people to understand what's really going on. There are four major actors and actresses in that book. Two of them are Jewish people and the others are Persians. So the two Jews are number one, Esther. And the second Jewish person in that book is called Mordecai. And then we have the king of Persia. And then we also have a gentleman by the name Haman, who is a top officer in the government of Persia. Keep all those four names in mind as we go through the book. Let's start out with the first chapter. You need to know that the book of Esther was written after the Babylonian captivity of Israel. In other words, these guys were all locked up in captivity. They were taken from their country to another country. There's a lesson there can stop them begin to preach. Do you know sometimes that you and I can become captive of some things? Some of us become captive of addictions. Some of us will become captives of abuse. You'll be amazed how many people are living in the captivity of abusive relationships. You'll be amazed how many of us have become slaves to various substances, from alcohol to weed, you know, joy. <laughs> if you're not careful, the devil will keep you in, in captivity for a long, long time. The people of Israel, they were held captives in Babylon. Now the story gets even much better. Eventually, they were released to go home. Now you won't believe this. A lot of Jews went home. But guess what? Not all of them went home. <laughs> it's amazing. The same thing was true here in America. You remember the thing called... Um, Amalgamation, proclamation, all those big English. Basically, there was a document when the President of the United States told all the blacks, you are free. You would think everybody would pack their baggage and leave and go home. No, not everybody went. See, people don't talk about the whole full history. Some people stayed with their master. Some people had enough sense to say, I'm out of here. Adios. <laughs> Same thing in the Bible. That's how relevant and that's how, that's how authentic the word of God is. Even when, when slavery was ended here in the U.S., you will remember even some people returned to Africa. That's the truth. There's a lot of African Americans that lives in Africa today because when they got free, they went back to their, to their home. 
But there are many who stayed here in America because this is all they knew as their home. So the Bible is really parallel to our history here. A lot of things we can learn from that. Those people that stayed behind, those Jews that stayed behind, the Bible even identified where they stayed. There was a neighborhood called Susa. Like here in Pineville, we have a street called Susek. <laughs> Ain't that amazing? So the Jews hang around that neighborhood called Susa in Portia. They didn't come back to Jerusalem. And then you say, okay, all right. I hope you're following the story. The next thing that happened in that book, the king of Prussia, the big guy, was having a party. I told you there's a lot of partying. There's a lot of drinking. This party, you won't believe it, lasted, according to the scripture, 187 days. Now, that's a party. <laughs> when you can rock and roll and dance and eat and drink for 187 days, I'll be honest with you, I'm in my 60s. I've never seen anybody like that in my whole life. But that's how splendid, that's how rich and powerful the king of Prussia was. Then the Bible said, the story continued, that on the last day of that party, the king sent for his wife. His wife, is, her name is Festa. So the king said, come, come call my wife in here. And then said, I want my wife to come. Keep in mind now, the brother is drunk. <laughs> After you've been drinking for 187 days, trust me, you're not just drunk, you're overdrunk. So he's saying for his wife, guess what he's asking the wife to do? He said, come before all my guests, come show your beauty. Just show how beautiful. Show your, you know what? You know, ladies, God bless ladies with all kinds of good. Ooh, hallelujah. <laughs> so he called this woman and said, no, I just want you to, to pass around, show yourself, show what you got. Guess what that woman did? She gave the king the middle finger. Mm -hmm. She sure did. And what do you think I am? I'm not a prostitute. <laughs> I'm not a harlot. You want me to just be showing my body? Say, no, I ain't coming. Guess what the king did? The king that day fired her, removed her from the palace, and she's no longer the queen, instantly. Here is where theology comes in. You might be saying, wow, that's not fair to this woman. And maybe you see things differently. You might say, well, um, the king is the king. I don't know what position you take. But one thing that strikes my spirit as I study this book 
is that when the king speaks, it really doesn't have to make sense. There's something about obedience. Your God is the king of kings. Have you ever been in a situation where in your heart you can hear God speaking to you to do something? Let me encourage you to learn to obey God. Because disobedience can cause you to be demoted. I've seen many great men, great women of God, that today they rise, but tomorrow they fall. Pride goes before destruction. I don't know why the king asked this woman to come show herself and come show her body and show what she got. I don't know why God tells you to do what he asks you to do. I don't know. Even sometimes, I'll be honest with you, I position my own life to be a big-time lawyer. That was my game plan. I have a plan. I was there's a place called Te, Tessa Tessa Canals. There's some some town here where four states meet: Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana. They meet together, and I had a, a game plan. My game plan is to to study hard and work hard in law school and get me license in Oklahoma, get me license in Texas, get me license in Arkansas, get me license in Louisiana, and I was going to put a big law firm right there in a, in a town called Texarkana, and I was going to dominate the whole southern states of the United States. I had a master plan. And I was going to bring my children into the same career. We were going to rule, reign. And, but guess what? Somewhere along the way, God told me, no, I want you to preach the gospel. Can I be honest with you? It didn't make sense to me. I'm not trying to be nobody's pastor. I'm not a student of the Bible. I really don't care much about preaching, to be honest with you. But there's something called obedience. I've said it many times to my ministers, and I'm saying it to you. Money is waiting for you at the place of your assignment. Be careful that you don't become so smart or you become a smart holic. I don't even know the the word for it, that you you outsmart yourself from the call that the king has for you. This woman, can I be brutally honest with you? That was the last time you hear about her. Chapter one, she, she was history. I'm not trying to crack down on women. I thank God for women. This is not about anybody's gender. It's about learning to hear the voice of, of the king and learn to be obedient to the king. You got it? Now, Festa is gone. She's history. So the king decided to have what we call beauty pageant. 
Are you enjoying this? <laughs> I am. I love the Bible. The king decided to have a beauty pageant, another party. I told you this book is full of party and drinking, sex and all that. But even in the midst of all that chaos, God is still a lesson. God is still moving. Focus on, on, on the, the, the theological lessons we can learn from it. The king decided to have this beauty pageant so he can find him another queen. Remember, he had fired the, the previous queen. So now he needs another wife. And guess what? Esther hide a Jewish identity. She's not a native of Persia. She would not have been qualified because she's not from the neighborhood. So she hide a Jewish identity, entered into the, to the beauty pageant, and guess what? She won. Pow! That's how she became the queen. Can you imagine it? Oh, I wish I can preach on that all day. There are so many lessons. If you're a foreigner like me, that's who Esther was in Portia. Do you know that God can prosper you in a foreign land? Many of you who are watching internationally, you're watching from India, from Africa, South Africa, Germany, Europe, I want you to be encouraged today. I am a living proof that God can elevate you in a foreign land. Hallelujah. I wish I could just go hang out with you sometimes. You and I get a two-piece chicken, you know, with diet coke. <laughs> and I can just share my story with you you will find out that what I'm telling you is a serious biblical principle. It don't matter where you come from, whether you were raised in Lower Todd or Upper Todd, whether you were raised in Samtown or wherever. When God gets ready to bless you, he will promote you in spite of your situation. Esther was not even qualified. She was a foreigner. She entered into the beauty pageant, and she won, hands down. That's how she became the queen. I, I can also share with you some serious principle on how she won. Remember, there were many other women competing for the same prize. It's just like a regular beauty pageant. But Esther worked very hard. Esther listened to instruction. God sent somebody, a eunuch, who knew what the king is looking for, who is familiar with the taste of the, the king, to guide Esther. But Esther is one thing for somebody to guide you, is another thing for you to listen. Many of us miss our blessings in life because we don't pay attention when God sent help to us. Many of us miss our blessing in life because we are lazy. The Bible talks about this young girl soaked himself in all the perfume for makeup. You know, ladies, ladies do makeup 
for months. By the time she came out, her skin was like a baby skin. It takes hard work. It takes discipline. It takes diligence. You see all those words I'm telling you, if you really want to succeed in life, that's what it takes. I have some sons and daughters in the ministry. I'm talking to you right now. Some of you are already pastoring. Some of you are still believing God for your own church. If you're going to make it in ministry, it takes hard work. Yes, you're going to pray. And yes, you need the anointing. And yes, you need the, the Holy Ghost. But in addition to all of that, you cannot be a lazy man or a lazy woman and expect God to promote you. It takes discipline. To be a pastor, to be a success in ministry, any area of ministry, you have to be disciplined. It, it's not just a ministry. i got some children. You see, I believe in what we call entrepreneurial church. I want every one of my members to be a success story. Some of you are called to start your own business. Some of you are called to start your own whatever, at your daycare, your beauty salon, your law office, whatever it is. It's going to take discipline. It's going to take diligence. It's going to take hard work. It's going to take you listening. You have to be teachable. That's why Esther won the beauty pageant. So she became the queen. Then the story continues. Remember I told you there was a, the king has a number two man. His name is Haman. Haman is, is a Persian, very big shirt. His own pet peeve is that when you see him, you have to bow. It's a big deal to him. He, because he's such a powerful man. So everybody come in, in front of him. Yes, sir, your majesty. But then there was a gentleman by the name Mordecai, a Jewish fellow, came before Haman one day and refused to bow. That's another sermon by itself. Because Jewish people, they were raised from their childhood to believe thou shalt worship no other God except Jehovah Jireh, except Jehovah Nisi, except Jehovah Tiskunu, except Jehovah Shalom. So he refused to bow. So, you know, Haman said, who are you? Everybody bowed to me here. Why not you? So Haman did his homework. And he found out that this gentleman, Mordecai, is a Jewish fellow. Now Haman said, wait a minute. Why are the Jews still in our country anyway? Aren't they supposed to go back to their home? So Haman went to the king and persuade him to issue a decree. By the way, this will be the second decree that this king will issue. The first decree he issued was when he got rid of his first wife. Guess what that decree said? 
he issued a decree throughout Portia that every man must be master of their own home. Stupid as that may sound, but that was the decree. And yet there's a profound revelation there. Can you imagine if every man was will step up to be a father in their own home, to be a husband in their own home. A lot of problems we have as a society will not be there. The number one problem in America today is broken homes. And I believe with all my heart, the reason why we have a lot of broken homes is because we have a lot of men who will not stand up to be men, who will not stand up to be fathers, who will not stand up to be daddies, who will not stand up to be husband. Do you know why the king made that decree? I'll tell you why. When he called his wife to come and show his, her body to, to his guests, and the wife refused, he felt like he is not in control of his own home. That's why he got rid of that woman. And now he's sending a message to all of Portia that every man must become master of their own home. Now you see why he had that law. Now we see him writing another law, another decree, because Haman, his number two person, convinced him that the Jews, a bunch of rebels, they don't play by the rule. He is just going by one person that refused to bow to him. Now he's fixing to condemn a whole tribe, a whole generation of Jews. So he convinced the king to issue a decree that says all Jews will be killed. We don't want them in this country. Sounds like what's going on in Washington right now. I remember one time, <laughs> it's amazing how relevant the Bible is. It blows my mind. That's why I read it every day, you know. The president said something like, no, we don't want the Mexicans here. They bring in their thieves, they bring in their crooks, they bring in their yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get rid of all of them. Another time, the president said, no, I, I don't want any Muslim in this country. Same thing you read in the Bible. The number two guy convinced the king that the Jews, he only met one out, but he convinced the king that all the Jews no good, we need to get rid of. All of them, they are troublemakers. So they pass this law, or is, they call it decree, signed by the, the king, that all the Jews will be killed 11 months from the day of that decree. Can you believe that? Now, Houston would go problem. Then Mordecai, the guy, the Jewish guy that refused to bow to Haman, that caused this, this decree to happen, the Bible says something about him. He's a Jew. One time he overheard some soldiers plotting to kill the king. 
And then he told Esther. Esther also is a Jewish girl, but Esther is not a queen. So he told Esther, he said, some, some people here are planning to kill your husband. So Esther revealed that to the king, and the king was able to protect himself against the assassination. Keep that at the back of your mind. In other words, that Jewish man is what we will call whistleblower in our system today. But by blowing the whistle, he was able to save the life of the king. Is that same Jewish guy now that the number two man to the king is mad and angry about because he refused to bow? So now we have a decree to kill all the Jews. That same Jewish guy, Mr. Mordecai, he called Esther. He said, look, sister girl, this is what is going on. There's somebody in the government that is trying to kill all the Jews. And you're a Jewish person too. You need to do something. Go talk to your husband to save your own people. There are three lessons I want you to learn from that episode. Number one, Esther is quick to say, wait a minute. I cannot go before the king, even though I'm his wife. But the law here, nobody go before the king unless they're invited. You just don't show up in in presence of a king. I can preach on that all day. The same thing is true in the spirit. Many people are trying to go before God in a phony way. You cannot go in the presence of God any kind of way. Esther said, look, I love to help you all. I love my people, but I cannot approach the king unless I'm invited. In fact, if I do that, I will be killed. And that's the law of the land. When you approach a king without a scepter, invitation for you to come, you get killed. So, that was the first problem. The second problem is that Mordecai told Esther, say, look, sister girl, let me tell you, if you don't help us, God will send deliverance. You say, so what's the big deal about How does that affect you? I'll tell you how it affects you. Have you ever been in a situation that you need help and the people who are supposed to help you, they're dragging their feet. If you've never been there, I've been there. At some point, you need to know that your help don't come from any of them. Your help comes from God. If they don't help you, God will raise up somebody else to help you. Hallelujah. I feel like shouting right now. I am a living witness. A lot of people that are in a position to help. I never forget one brother. I won't mention his name. He was on TBN. He had cloud. He had connection. He had contact. I asked him to help me to get to TBN. 
Guess what he said? Ah, you don't want that. Ain't nothing to you. He talked me out of it instead of helping me. But like Mordecai said in my spirit, because I've read this book, I said, if you don't help me, God will raise somebody else to help me. And guess what? I am on TBN today. You know how? Because God raised up somebody else to help me. So what I am teaching you, I'm living, I'm walking in that anointing. Don't let anybody intimidate you or suggest to you without them, you're not going to make it. If they refuse to help, I don't care even if it's your husband. I don't care if it's your wife. I don't care if it's your children. I don't care if it's your, your friends. If they don't help you, God loves you enough to raise up from other souls. Help. That's what Mordecai is telling Esther. See, don't think you're the only thing that, that's going on for us. If you don't help us, God will. The second thing, by the way, there's a lesson there. If you're in a position to help, help people. Some people need a hand up. If God puts you in a position to be a blessing, be a blessing. Are you feeling me? Then Mordecai told Esther something else that's so profound. He said, sister girl, Maybe for such a time like this, God put you in that position of making you a queen. You may think you're all that. You may think you're a queen today because you're so beautiful or you're so pretty or you're so smart. He said, but let me tell you, let me school you. Maybe for such a time like this, God allow you a foreigner to become the first lady. It amazes me how relevant the Bible is. Did you know the first lady of the United States today is a foreigner? Not trying to put her down or anything like that. That's not my job. I'm in the business of building people up, not tearing down. But Miss Trump, she wasn't born in America. She wasn't raised in America. But somehow, some way, she is the first lady. Just like Esther. So it's like for members of Miss Trump's country, former country, to come to her and say, help us. Maybe for such a time like this, you're the first lady of America. Now Esther have to do something. So Esther thought about it and she decided to, to risk her own life to approach the king even without being invited. And her game plan was threefold. Number one, she's going to go before the king. Number two, she's going to disclose to the king her true identity, that she's a Jewish girl, that she's a foreigner, because she's been hiding that now. And number three, she's going to ask the king to reverse the decree that is in place 
to kill all the Jews. There's a lesson there. Don't go through life without a plan. I'm amazed how many students I run into. And I will ask them, even right here in the church, I will say, especially when their parents are not listening, I'll call them as, I love children. Sometimes I'll hug them. Sometimes I'll throw them and catch them in the air. The ones who are grown up, I high-five them. I just love young people. That's, that's just a gift from God. But I will corner them. I will say, what do you plan to be when you grow up? Some of them will say, my mama, ah, I'm not talking about your mama. Where my daddy is a fire, ah, no, I'm not talking about your daddy. What do you plan to be when you grow up? And I'm amazed how many of them have no plan. So I begin to walk them, little kids. I say, baby, you have to have a plan. If you want to be a police, you got to have a plan. How do you become a police? You want to be a school teacher. You got to have a plan. You want to be a lawyer or whatever you want to be. Notice Esther had a clear plan. Number one, she's going to approach the king. Number two, she's going to disclose her true identity. And number three, she's going to ask for the king to reverse the law in place to kill her people. Ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what happened. And guess what? There's a phrase in that Bible that Esther said that I thought is very significant. She told those Jewish people, she said, if I perish, I perish. In other words, I'm willing to go up there and, and risk my own life to save the life of my people. There's a lesson there. It just happened to be this is the year of election, you know. Do you know the kind of candidates we need to help us? People who will not be a sellout. People who are willing to put their life on the line to make a difference in their people's life. She said, if I perish, I perish. And guess what? If you're that kind of person, if you're that kind of man, if you're that kind of woman, God's got your back. And maybe you're listening to me now, and maybe you've been discouraged, you've been talked about, you've been put down, you've been let down, sometimes by your own people. And sometimes you feel and say, look, I'm out. You might want to consider being like Esther. And don't worry about what they said about you. Don't worry about the lies. Don't worry about the tales. Worry about what God has called you to be. Maybe for such a time like this, I'm preaching about my own self now. I have every reason I wish I can testify not to get informed with anything going on in the community anymore. And just chill, mind my own business, and say, look, the Lord has blessed me. My family is blessed. My children are blessed. 
Good luck to everybody else. But maybe for such a time like this, God has put you in the position you are. You cannot forget about your people. You cannot ignore the call of God upon your life. Esther risked everything. Went before the king and the Lord bless her. Then she disclosed to the king what Haman, his, his assistant, is planning to do to the Jews. Then the king, and this is amazing about this book of Esther, this is where God's intervention comes in. The king went to bed one night. The king could not sleep. So the king called somebody to read books to him to put him to sleep, basically. I do that sometimes. Sometimes when I'm stressed out and can't sleep, either I would listen to some music and then I go to sleep. Or sometimes I'll just be reading and then I fall asleep. Nothing new. The book happened to be the chronicles of that kingdom. So somebody was standing by the bedside of the king reading, and guess what was read to him? That there was a time that some crooked soldiers was plotting to kill the king, and a Jewish man named Mordecai became a whistleblower and saved the life of the king. So the king now put the two and two together. And it turned out to be the same Jewish guy, Mordecai, that God used to save the life of the king many times ago. The king had forgot about it until it was read to him while he was trying to sleep. And then he heard again what Haman was trying to do to the same Jewish people. He put the two and two together. And guess what he did? He hanged his own number two person that tricked him that was plotting to kill all the Jews. There's a lesson there. Be careful the pit that you dig to hurt somebody because you might end up falling in the same pit. Don't be a part of any mess. The Bible says, my son, my daughter, when sinners entice you, consent thou not. People invite you to come be a part of, no, don't be a part of any gossip. I never will forget there was a church in Fayetteville, Arkansas. I was a musician there, you know. And I'm a minister. They know I'm a minister. So some of the people, the name of the church is called St. James Missionary Baptist Church. Some of the people, some of the leaders in the church, they were conspiring to remove the pastor. His name is Reverend Moten. I never will forget. And then they came to me at night. They said, okay, we know you're a musician. We're going to get rid of this pastor, and we're going to promote you. You're going to be our pastor. When I saw the conspiracy and the plotting, I refused. I said, no, I don't want to be a part of that mess. If God wants me to pastor, he will make it happen. But I will never cheat my way through. 
I would never kiss up to nobody. I would never be a part of any mess. You know, I never thought about it. But guess what? God gave me my own church today. You know what I'm trying to tell you? No, you don't have to be a part of any mess. You don't have to be a part of any player hating. Dog. No. Do your best to live for God. If you dig a pit to hurt somebody's child, your child might end up in it. If you make plans to get rid of somebody's job or to step on somebody's head so you can go up, you might end up being the one that will be the victim of your own plan. That's exactly what happens to Haman. Well, I got to, I got to wrap things up. What are the lessons that we can learn from this? If you just look at things in the natural, you would think of, oh, Esther, a Jewish woman, marrying a pagan king, that's against the law of Torah. That's against the law of God. And, you know, and then you, you read about all the drinking, all the partying, all the murdering. You say, oh, that don't make no sense. But if you look deeper, that's what ministers do. That's what are serious theologians. Then you begin to see the hand of God. How God can take uh, an orphan like Esther. Not only was she a foreigner, she had no parents. And how God can elevate somebody. The lesson is that no matter your condition today, God can elevate you. Don't give up on life. Don't give up on yourself. It's no secret what God can do. What he's done for somebody, what he did for Esther, he can do it for you. I wish I could testify. I am Esther in man's clothes. I was a nobody. God made me somebody. If he did it for her, if he did it for me, he can do it for you. Also, in that passage, you see a story of deliverance. The Jews were going to be slaughtered. They end up being victorious. I don't know what you're going through today, but I come to tell you, God is able to deliver you. If you don't hear anything else from this message, hear the message of deliverance. And also see how God restored, how God really shifted things around. Not only was Haman hanged on his own gallows, then God allowed the king to promote Mordecai, a Jewish man. So at the end of the day, Esther, a Jewish woman, become the, the, the queen, and Mordecai, a Jewish man, become the number two person. That's what God, that's what I call defiant reverser. People that are nobody today, they become somebody tomorrow. People that are destined to fail, go reverse and turn things around. People that are scheduled to die, or people that the doctor say, you ain't got but a few more days, and God can reverse that situation. 
Maybe you're in that condition. Maybe you know somebody that need divine reversal. Today I pray in the name that is above every name that God will reverse every cause, that God will turn things around in your favor, that everything the devil meant for evil, that God will turn it around for your good. May God bless you until we meet again. Amen. If you need prayer today, there's a number under the screen. Dial that number. Call that number. There are preachers who are waiting to pray with you. Maybe you need divine reversal. Maybe you need divine deliverance. Maybe you need divine elevation. God can do it all for you. May God bless you. Until we meet again. Amen.